Welcome to the Success Matters podcast series with Christopher Helmrath, where business leaders share how their organizations created successful strategies for long-term viability. Welcome to Success Matters, a podcast series featuring business leaders and their stories of managing organizations through change. Several years ago, a national legislation called the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare, was passed by the U.S. Congress. This legislation was an attempt to make our national health care system more efficient and to increase the quality of patient care. All healthcare organizations were faced with a multitude of changes and challenges, and some have thrived, some have maintained, and some have failed. Carroll Hospital Center in Westminster, Maryland, is one of the community hospitals who have thrived as a result of the planning that the senior management team and the board of directors undertook shortly after the ACA was passed. My name is Chris Helmrath, and I'm a managing director at SCNH Group, and I am the host of this podcast. And today we have with us Leslie Simmons, the president of Carroll Hospital Center. Leslie is a lead, has been a leader in the organization for 16 years and has been instrumental in driving Carroll Hospital's outstanding achievements in quality with a focus on accountability and transparency. Leslie's strong clinical background from her more than 25 years of experience in numerous aspects of the healthcare industry has been an asset in creating a culture of patient-centered care and uncompromising commitment to high performance at the hospital through the development of clinical service lines and increased participation in statewide collaboratives and best practices initiatives. Leslie, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Chris. Thank you for having me. Leslie, let's go back. March of 2010, the Affordable Care Act is passed, and you and the senior management team were faced with dramatic changes that were going to be coming at the hospital. Let's talk a little bit about what you led and how the, the management team with the board looked at this legislative change and what you did to handle it. So it was definitely a new day for all of us. Um, we understood very quickly it wasn't going to be enough just to be a great hospital for the sickest of the sick. We knew we were going to have to position ourselves to be able to break down the walls of the hospital and work with our community partners in a new and different way. So the first thing we did is really evaluate our overall strategic position. And we actually did that by utilizing um, a, a set of um, preparedness measures for hospitals to evaluate themselves. And these were developed by Kaufman Hall in 2011. And when we went through that evaluation, we found ourselves surprisingly um, on the unprepared side of things. So we undertook a process that we call our Vision 2020, where we worked with our board of directors and our physicians and then the executive team to say, what are the key focus areas in our community and how can we better position ourselves to be able to address those needs for the next five to seven years? So as you put that Vision 2020 together, and it was a comprehensive document. What were some of the challenges that were brought to the forefront as a result of your planning process? 
So, Chris, as you said, it was um, a significant process um, that took several months of planning, um, several series of retreats. Um, and some of the things that were challenging for us was how do we afford to um, bring quality care to our community, actually expand services, and maintain our financial viability? You know, Maryland was under a unique system at the time where we were going from being rewarded for volume to being rewarded for value. So our community, we are the sole community hospital, um, and so our residents want to be able to stay local for all the care that a community hospital can provide. So we started understanding that we had a big list of things we wanted to do, but great concern grew over how we would be able to maintain our financial viability um, under this new reimbursement system. We also were really concerned about maintaining our culture and laser focus on safety and quality. Um, all of that, having all those pressures and needing to be able to step it up and meet the pace of um, the timeline under the new ACA and having that be complicated by the new um, system reimbursement system in Maryland. So we were literally finding ourselves needing to sort of change the direction of the ship almost overnight. One of the interesting things I noted in my time that I was able to spend with you and the board was your complete focus on the customers that you were serving, the citizens of Carroll County. Did that bring apart any challenges because you had to know that they were going to be evaluating you regardless of what regulations were saying you could or couldn't do? Right. You know, when you, uh, Carroll County, as I mentioned, is the sole community hospital. Our board of directors is made up of community members. Um, it's a community where everybody knows everybody, and we're taking care of our friends, our neighbors, and our relatives. So there was quite the magnifying glass. And it was one of those things where um, there was not going to be a willingness to make huge compromises. Um, there were different scenarios that we put ourselves through, um, and we were fortunate to be able to work with you and your company, Chris, to be able to help us do that. But we analyzed all the different scenarios that would be out there for us, such as you know, remaining independent, um, looking at joint venture opportunities, um, and even um, merging and partnering in unique ways. And those were very intense, difficult conversations for our board that was fiercely independent. But I have to take us back to when we did our overall analysis of Carol's strategic position, we found ourselves in the unprepared zone to be able to meet the needs of the future and remain financially viable. So we needed to move forward and we needed to do um, realistic assessments of ourselves. And we ended up establishing a set of 10 criteria to help take some of the um, emotion, if you will, out of our decision-making process and help focus us on the key issues that were important to our community. Um, and we just kept 
bringing ourselves back to our overall mission and vision as we try to make the assessment of each one of our strategic options. And as as the leader of the hospital, it was intriguing to watch you as you thought about the different stakeholders and their positions that needed to be understood in those scenarios, be it the physicians, the clinical staff, the community members, the patients, et cetera. How tough was that as a leader to always remember that you had so many constituencies to take into account, knowing that the changes were occurring so fast that each day you woke up, the world was a different place? Right. You know, I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned in the process was to keep an open mind. You know, I've said many times where we started at the beginning of the process is definitely not where I thought we would be at the end of the process. Um, And I think what we allowed ourselves to do was be open to a number of possibilities. And that was an evolution. There were definitely members of the board, members of the medical staff who were um, at the same part same place I was at the beginning of the process, almost saying what we're not going to do. Um, and I'm really glad that our thinking evolved through the process because um, if we would have maintained that attitude, we would have missed a tremendous opportunity. I think the key to getting us from the beginning to the end was really making sure we were transparent and heard from all the constituencies and help the constituencies understand all the choice that was out there. Um, And in the end, that made a huge difference. But you you have to listen to each group and understand what their concerns and needs are as well. So as as we look back in time, and so our listeners appreciate, you were going through dramatic change in the regulatory environment, in the competitive environment, and you identified with the team that you weren't truly prepared to go through it but had to, how long did the process take once you realized that and understood the needs of the stakeholders to finally come to clarity of determination, how will we move forward? Yeah, in in total, the process was about two and a half years, but the intense part of the process where the board and the community and the medical staff and the executive team had a laser focus was about 12 months, Um, and we utilized a retreat structure to really discipline our work and our deliverables around our decision-making. So as you go, went through that, you evaluated multiple scenarios in the evaluation of all of your stakeholders. What did the board eventually determine was the correct course of action for Carroll Hospital? So, you know, I distinctly, vividly remember the day. Um, the process that we undertook was, as I mentioned, so comprehensive, and we did it based on um, some, some very specific criteria. So when you're using a criteria 
space to make decisions and the board agrees on the criteria, likes the criteria, when the decision is in front of them and it's revealed through their multi-voting or whatever you choose to use, it's amazing. Um, it, it unifies people. People don't argue with where they got to. And for our very independent board, they unanimously arose to the place where partnering was going to be the best option for Carroll Hospital. And, you know, that was a, a, a big day. Um, we all breathed a sigh of relief. It's where we thought, the executive team thought all along we needed to be. But that's not enough to drive a great process. You have to get the board there and the community there. Um, and so in the end, all the time that we put into getting them there was well worth it. And then we just had the process of helping develop, uh, helping to determine who the best partner would be. Um, and that's where, Chris, we really valued working with you and your um, company to help us go through a terrific process to um, put ourselves out there, introduce people to who we were and what we were all about. Um, we joked that Carol was sort of the pretty girl at the prom because we were able to approach partnering from a position of strength. Um, and that made a significant difference for us because we were able to hold true to our hopes and desires. And in the end, we made an amazing decision to partner with LifeBridge Health. Um, and I can remember when we decided that they would be our best partner, and I chuckled because at the beginning of the process, they, of course, were our biggest competitor. So it was hard for us to imagine that they would be our partner for the future. But without a doubt, LifeBridge was the only organization that approached this partnership with great creativity and allowed our board of directors to maintain a fair amount of local control. Um, they have allowed me as the um, president of one of their member organizations to sort of set the pace of any consolidation efforts that we're doing. Um, and, you know, you don't often find that in a merger situation. I think the other amazing thing we were able to do is have 25% of the seats on the big system LifeBridge board for the Carroll Hospital Board of Directors. And that has had a significant impact in the decision-making that we have both locally and at the system level, and I understand is very unique um, to other mergers out there. So now that the deal is about 14 months or so from completion, and operatively things are moving forward, what things can you point to that have occurred and successes have, have been made based on the process you went through and the teaming with LifeBridge that has brought a better outcome for the citizens of Carroll County? Well, that's easy because we're so excited about so many of those things, and I get to talk about them often. But, you know, sometimes you read um, articles that suggest that mergers may not save money. Um, I need to tell you that that's um, completely the opposite experience that we're having at Carroll. We've been able to, as part of our merger with LifeBridge, to save $11.4 million 
in the first 14 months, um, and we've done that without any reduction to our staff. You know, of course, I understood that we were going into a merger, so when positions became vacant, we didn't fill them. But um, a lot of that has come from um, better managed care contracts, um, more um, better pricing on supplies, particularly in chemotherapy drugs. Um, there's like three, three and a half million just in chemotherapy drugs. Um, physician, better, better physician contracting. Uh, it's just been amazing what we've been able to put together. The other thing that we've particularly enjoyed is being able to share best practices across the system. And as I mentioned, Carroll wasn't a distressed hospital. So being in a position to be able to have um, your, your successes sought out from the system and have them modeled throughout the system is a great joy for us. We've learned from them. They've learned from us. I'd also have to um, give great thanks to Neil Meltzer, the CEO of LifeBridge. He has a structure where his hospital presidents are not just responsible for their own hospital, but they're also responsible for some cross-functional areas across the system. Um, I'm doing human resources and working with the accountable care organization across the system, and it's nice to be able to impact not just your local hospital but the entire health system. So, you know, we're 14 months in, and, you know, it just seems like yesterday, and things have gone extremely well, and I just am even more excited about what we're going to accomplish together in the future. You raised a, a great point in, in your commentary just now about you being in a strong position when you went through this process. You weren't a hobbled organization. You were not in a critical care scenario. Could you imagine what that would have looked like had you waited and watched what the market had done and then tried to do the process? What could you tell our listeners about doing it while you're strong and thinking about your options while you're strong versus waiting for the market to dictate your outcome? Yeah, so without a doubt, my biggest words are don't wait. You have to be focused on this when you're strong because that gives you key negotiating power. If Carol would have waited until things had deteriorated, we would not have felt that we had a choice. We would not have felt that we could be in a position to negotiate some key things in the merger documents. Um, without a doubt, our position of strength helped us be able to do that. We were able to entertain some offers and say, no, that won't work for us versus having that feeling of desperation that you have to just link up with whoever will come to save you, if you will. Um, I just highly recommend do not wait. This is something that if you lead an or a healthcare organization, you have to educate your board about the realities that you're facing. Um, you use some criteria-based um, decision-making or option review or scenario review. Um, evaluate your strategic position so that you're operating not, you know, you're, you're going through this not from an emotional standpoint, but a very logical um, realistic assessment to see how your organization is prepared for the future. But definitely don't wait. It limits your options. 
Leslie, as, as a manager now, and let's get away from the actual entity and let me focus on you for a moment. In your career, you started as a nurse, came up through the emergency room system, went through management, and have ascended to being the president of a hospital. What can you articulate to our listeners about what you've learned as now a leader of a very large organization based on the experiences that you gained through your career, starting on the floor and working your way up, and how important that has been to your success now in running the entire organization? So a couple things. Um, you know, one of my biggest successes is never forgetting from whence I came. You know, a, le- a good leader never forgets what it's like on the front line, and in order to do that, you have to stay connected to the people that are doing the real work. If I'm going to make decisions that affect the frontline staff that are taking care of our patients, I have to know what their issues and concerns are. So my motto is to be very visible, to be out and about, to be a good listener, to be very transparent and sharing information. I love that. You know, it makes some leaders a little nervous to be that transparent, but I find that it's never – uh, never disappointed me. You know, and whenever I can be transparent and let people know what's going on, it's always very helpful. And then involvement. You have to involve stakeholders in any decision you're making. The frontline staff, the physicians. The physicians are huge. The physician's world is being turned upside down with the a- ACA, and, and how hospitals and physicians relate together is critical. But you can't make decisions in a vacuum without talking to your physician colleagues, getting their um, concerns heard, telling them frankly about what your challenges are in leading the hospital, and then together figuring out the right answer and figuring out how to move forward. Um, So, you know, it's just a matter of being in touch with the real work and being transparent and involving people in your communication and your decisions. I can't help but ask this last question. If you could go back over the last six years since the Affordable Care Act came into play and you've led the transition of the hospital to where it is, is there anything you would have done differently? Hmm. What would I have done differently? Well, you know, I love the process we've led, but maybe if anything else, I would have done it a little sooner. Um, I felt that there were years where Carol really did struggle independently, um, and there were times where we had to put key programs on hold for our community. There were times that we had to make some deep cuts to some of our salary and benefits for our people that do the best work um, there. And I think that was difficult for the organization, and I think it was difficult for the community. 
So if anything, I probably would have done it um, just a bit sooner. You know, it's always something that you juggle because you have to have some board readiness, but part of the board readiness is the leadership's a team the leadership team's ability to put the information in front of them and and steer them um, through that educational process. So um, maybe just a bit sooner. Leslie, I cannot thank you enough for your time today. The community of Carroll County is lucky to have you. I know LifeBridge is lucky to have you. And personally, I've enjoyed the time that I've been able to spend with you as a client and learn from you, and I can't wish you anything more than success, and good luck. Thank you, Chris, very much. It's my pleasure.